Hello and welcome to SEO SAS, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at Like Mind Media, and the charismatic problem solver, epic walker and adventurous, wild camper extraordinaire who doesn't leave a trace, <laughs> Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland and Barrett. Why are we called SEO, SAS? Well, we like to think of ourselves as your special answering service when it comes to SEO. It is a big bloody subject, folks. Um, so yes, we love weekly to discuss a specific topic and we do that between ourselves. Sometimes we get a guest on to discuss because it's good to talk to experts and professionals and other people because that's how we all learn. And yes, so we are your special answering service, but we're also on a mission to make SEO fun and accessible for all. Uh, so hopefully together, there we can all get better at SEO. This show is brought to you by the team at Like Mind Media. Like Mind Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like. Ah, thanks, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hello, that was a wonderful introduction. Very good. Probably the best yet, I'd say. It's, best uh, yeah, yet? All encompassing. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So, you know how we were saying about where Dido has gone uh, because she did that song White Flag and peaked? Does that mean I have now peaked yes. and that's the end of SEOSAS? <laughs> well, you could probably just repeat this one over and over again, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Or get someone else to uh, <laughs> do it, you know, raise the bar. Yes, raise the bar. Essentially. Uh, but oh, yes, very good. Very good. I mean, are you continue, continuing to not leave a trace of yourself? Absolutely. Of course. I don't leave a trace anywhere <laughs> apart from hair around the house. There's a lot of my hair around this house. Uh, do you have, are you always molting or is, does it depend on like the time of year? <laughs> I'm not a cat. Yes, but, I am always wish... molting. I have a lot but... of hair on my head and it does like to fall off. And obviously, because it's, it's about four foot long. But, uh, yeah, you do tend to notice it when you stand on it. It's great. Can I just say that you say that you're not a cat, but I bet you bloody wish you were sometimes. I do. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. I am quite jealous of my cats sometimes. How are they doing? Yeah, they're good. They're having, they're having the time of their lives with us at home. We've got the back door open. Um, so I've got, I've got two, in case you're not a regular listener, I've got two cats, Meg and Ozzy or Megan and Oswald for their full names <laughs> um, and Oswald has got uh, like a crow's nest so he sits he sits on the back by the by the fence at the back and there's a park behind us so he sits on this perch that my, that my dad's made for him and uh, watches everybody in the park he has, he's having the time of his life. Aww, yeah. I have to say they are bloody adorable how I need to stop saying bloody blood bloody uh, but they're very very adorable and I mean I'm still working on getting Ozzy to love me because I think Meg is there like, I think me and Meg have a good relationship yeah uh, mutual uh, we know we know each other <laughs> as much as you can as a cat but yes but they are very adorable very very adorable Thank so you. fluffy I mean I do feel for them in the heat yeah yeah but they're they're, they're good they're Meg's currently inside in the cool and Ozzy's in his little house outside so yeah I say his house it's part of this crow's nest thing it's one of those big towers it's, it's got a great life honestly it's spoiled rotten Aww. and you are an amazing cat mother well both you and Dom are amazing cat parents 
Thank you very much. So shall we um, get into, because obviously we said this is an SEO podcast. Should we talk about some SEO? Well, yeah, so, so it's, not a, it's not a cat podcast, is it, at the end of the day, sadly. Um, but yes, you today... could branch we... off. <laughs> yeah, why not? Today, we have a wonderful guest. We have the lovely Ruth Everett, who is going to be speaking about diagnosing problems and UX with us. So for those who don't know, Ruth is a technical SEO analyst at Deepcrawl, and she is also a Python queen. Hello, Ruth. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a massive fan of the podcast, so I'm really glad to be here. Ah, We're very glad to have you. Very, very glad to have the uh, Python queen on our podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So we we spoke to um, Azeem Ahmad very, very recently. And he, as we said, we were going to be speaking to you quite soon. And he said, Ruth is the Python queen, which is why (laughs) that is now how you must be introduced. (laughs) It's a very big title, but I'll try and live up to it. You do already. Yes, you learned it. <laughs> How are you anyway? How's your weekend? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's been good. The weather's nice, so I've just been enjoying being outside, not doing too much, but popping yeah. up the tan. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really tan. I just freckle. Yeah, same. And more freckles. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we think um, a really good way of getting everybody to know you a little bit better, and for us to get to know you a little bit better, is with our quick fire questions round. So are you ready for me to shoot some questions at you? I'm ready. Wonderful. So <laughs> clear your mind mm-hmm. and come answer with the first question that comes, comes to mind. So early bird or night owl? Early bird. City or countryside? Countryside. What's your favourite fruit? Strawberries. Rock or hip hop? Rock. Tea or coffee? Neither. I don't drink hot drinks. Oh, <laughs> shut the front door <laughs> no hot drinks at all i'll have an occasional hot chocolate if i'm really cold but do you know what i have sometimes um is it, i used to have it in my childhood i still have sometimes it's hot ribena oh oh yeah i used to like that yeah <laughs> recommend that on a cold day Sorry to like uh, jump in on the quick fire, Ruth, but um, I recently went over to uh, Hannah and Dom's and we sat in the garden, socially distant, so we weren't breaking any <laughs> laws. Um, but Dom, Hannah's wonderful other half, offered me a drink and I said, oh, I'm fancying a hot beverage. And he offered me hot Ribena and I was like, what? Is that a thing? <laughs> Apparently it is. Yeah. It is in our house. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can uh, fully accept no hot drinks, um, apart from hot ribena and hot chocolate. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, musicals or Disney films? Musicals. What's your middle name, if you have one? Um, Melanie, my mum's name. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Cool. And what are your favourite toppings on a pizza? I'm going to be really boring and just say cheese. That's not boring. It's not boring. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm vegan and I can no longer have cheese. Uh... outside Pizza Hut the other day. Getting the vegan pizza... But honestly, yeah. the pictures of the cheese, me, me and Don were just like, oh, it just looks amazing. <laughs> so it's, it was not boring to me, let's put it that way. <laughs> Ruth, are you a type of person who will add cheese to anything? Yes, I tried to stop myself, but yeah, no, cheese is, cheese is life. Have you been known to wake up in the middle of the night, go to your fridge and bite a chunk of your favourite cheese from the fridge? No, I've never done that. Oh, what is your favorite? Oh, I've done that. <laughs> what cheese was what that? What is Hannah? your favorite cheese? Oh, sorry. Um, Red Leicester. Red Leicester. Ruth. Um, I've been eating a lot of halloumi recently. You've been eating a lot of what? 
Halloumi. Halloumi. Yeah. Yes, that's a good cheese. one. I can't Hannah. think of Halloumi without the joke. Why? What's the joke? The joke where what does it? What, what, what does the cheese say when it looks at itself in the mirror? Hello, me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said the punchline, but only because I was excited because <laughs> I knew what the answer was. <laughs> awesome right so well I believe that I know you a bit better Ruth (laughs) and I'm sure our listeners do as well so let's get on to the meaty topic of how you got into this wonderful world of SEO Um, I think like most people I kind of fell into it accidentally Um, I was working in email marketing and I I didn't really like it I kind of wanted a change so I, I got a job at like a local agency in like digital exec role. And I thought I was going to try like different things and try different specialisms. But when I got there, I ended up pretty quickly working on a website um, for a client. And they had about 80 different country websites. And I like wow. quickly fell into it. And then I realized that SEO was something I enjoyed doing. And then I kind of learned on the job, just like working on loads of different websites for loads of different industries and then I kind of immersed myself in it um read all the articles I could find watched all the webinars and then I kind of realized that the technical side was where I was most interested and then yeah just kind of ran with that wonderful and I think most people because we obviously that's our leading question for our guests and I don't think anyone has ever said that they've planned to be an SEO I don't know like yeah I think I think it's more of a thing that you sort of get into and very much people who are in SEO you pick it because you find it interesting or you like an aspect of it I know that's that's what I say about me I fell into it and fell in love Hannah you would say the same absolutely yeah absolutely yeah as a technical SEO analyst for anybody who doesn't actually sort of understand or fully know what a technical SEO analyst does can you tell us a bit more about what you do yeah, so I basically analyze websites and identify any technical SEO issues and then make recommendations cool. for improvements. So where I work, I work for a software company. So um, we kind of, we're like the consulting arm and we kind of become like an extension of the in-house teams for our clients. Awesome. So we help them with any issues they're having or any big projects like migrations or site architecture changes that they're making or something that they need a bit more assistance with and then because I work for a software company I also help with like the onboarding of new customers and like getting them used to the tool and how they can get the most out of it from a technical SEO perspective. It sounds like a very interesting job that you have and uh, I imagine that you get to put your detective hat on a couple of times and like fully immerse yourself. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I love SEO so much because when I was younger, I wanted to be like a detective. I used to love watching <laughs> all the crime shows, you know. So this is like a way of becoming a detective and finding issues. And I often will spend like hours just looking into one thing and then I'm like, oh God, I spent way too long looking into that. But it, it, it just is, gets so deep into it, can't you? It is yeah. easy to get down a rabbit hole, especially yeah. if you find it interesting and you just want to dig, 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 exactly. get deeper. Okay, so we got you on today to talk about site improvements. So if you could tell people to check one thing about their site right now, what would that one thing be and why? Um, I would tell people to check their search console. I know that sounds like really basic, but 
it's a really great free tool and you can review like the performance of your site, see how Google's understanding it. You can see how your sitemaps are doing, um, inspect like specific URLs to find any issues. And you can also see your crawl budget in there, in the legacy tools. And but, yeah, there's so many great tools in there. And I think they've also recently just added Google News as well. So you can see how, if you're a news site, how you're performing in search for the specific Google News. So. I do think uh, Google Search Console is often like the unsung hero a little bit yeah. because I bloody, I need to think of another word apart from bloody, <laughs> that's, that's the theme, but I think it's an amazing tool and I think lots of people, especially new to this industry and new to SEO, they've, they've heard of and they've got Google Analytics set up, but when you yeah. say Google Search Console, they're like, sorry, what? And I just think, yeah, like it's an incredible tool and the fact that it's free and what you can do with it. Exactly. And it's a great way of, you know, understanding how Google sees your site as well. I was talking yeah. to some people recently and they were like, so how can we see how Google's viewing our site? And I was like, the best way is to use Search Console. And they were like, wow. And I showed them a few things. And they were like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And also identify issues. Exactly. Talking about identifying issues then, what's your tried and tested method for keeping issues at bay or SEO errors at bay? Um, I think knowing the changes that are being made to a site is a good way of keeping them at bay especially if you have lots of people that have access to your website because that's like a recipe for disaster isn't it if you have anyone can make changes and we had this once where i used to work and we had a client in america and they wanted to change their url and we'd all gone home for the day but one of the project managers over there was trying to be helpful so he went in and changed the url without telling us he didn't add any redirects or anything so he came in the next day like ready to look at the the url and decide how to change it and how to best go about it and realize it didn't exist anymore navigation it wasn't linking it wasn't redirecting um so yeah that was a a bit of a disaster so i think like i blame myself for that because i didn't i wasn't informing them of how important seo was and how these small changes can can make such a massive impact so i think it's important to create that culture of importance around SEO for anyone that's working on the website yeah project managers marketing teams developers and because usually it's human error that causes these issues Mm. and no no amount of testing tools in the world will prevent that you kind of have to have that the importance of SEO and everyone's on board with it and will kind of tell you when they're making changes or let you be in charge of that from an SEO perspective really good advice really good advice like that and I think as well, that's key. And because I think me and Hannah have spoke about this before, that people make changes to their website thinking that they're small changes yeah. and they don't understand the actual impact that that's going to have. Exactly. Uh, so they might see it as a quick two minute, let's do this. And they have the best intentions. Exactly. Yeah. But they just don't understand the bigger picture. And I think a lot of the time, you get some SEO depending on how proactive a company is and how like people like people within a company just go and do stuff I think a lot of the time uh, SEOs are um, sort of left with fixing a lot of stuff um, whereas if you just knew beforehand it'd be much better exactly and it's always harder once a change has been made to get it back to how it was and to get that if you know if massive problems have been caused because of that it's harder to then get back to where you were so you said then that most of the times that issues and errors happen um with like technical seo and seo in general is because of human error 
and you've obviously given us ways to um, avoid these from happening. What would you suggest is the best way of monitoring issues and errors? So yeah, how, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think a crawling tool is necessity for any website, um, particularly large websites, but it's good for you know identifying issues and then for that ongoing monitoring. And obviously I'm biased because I work for a, a crawling tool. Um, but I, yeah, I take advantage of that and use it to like its full potential. But so like running, you could run like weekly crawls that are a bit smaller, but get like a good sample of pages. And then you can run like bigger monthly crawls that have a majority of the site and they can help you both monitor the issues, but also keep a track of the fixes that you're, you're making and you can see the improvements you're making as well. Yeah. Um, and then another thing I do is set up um, like continuity tests. So we'll crawl like, a selection of pages maybe 50 to 100 urls a day and they're usually like um, a sample of the different templates across the site and then this will compare one crawl from the last crawl and then you'll be alerted if there's any changes so if like a status code has been changed or the indexability of a page has been changed or even if like a h1 or description has been changed you'll mm. be alerted by email or slack and then that's a great way of Again, monitoring if someone's going in and making changes. This happened recently. Someone redirected a page and I didn't realize they'd done it. And then I got an alert to say that it was no longer indexable because it had been redirected. And I didn't realize they were making this change. But to get alerted and then know they'd done that is a really good, a really good thing I've found. That doesn't sound really sophisticated. I like that. <laughs> About you, Hannah. <laughs> Thank you. Hannah. <laughs> Cool. So if you've done all of those checks and you've done your monitoring yeah. and there's still something wrong, like the site's performance is maybe trending downwards, what would you look at? But then just taking into account that you've already checked for algorithm updates. Yeah. I think because the, the checks I usually do would be around like technical issues. Um, so if everything looks okay from that perspective, I think I'd take that technical hat off and look for more maybe like content issues or user experience issues because like we said it, it can be so easy to get wrapped up in a technical issue that you can find and then fix but sometimes it's not that sometimes it's an issue with your content so maybe it's not targeting the right keywords or no one's looking for what you're you're writing about or your website is about or maybe google doesn't deem you as authoritative enough to be talking about that topic so yeah. it's not going to display you over someone else so yeah, looking at content that's not performing well um, and then, you know, as well as you would expect and seeing how you can optimize it. And then also looking at user experience issues like page load or if you have loads of ads or pop-ups that are blocking the mm. site, things like that. Um, I think that's what I would look at. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really good to know. Thank you. Okay then, Ruth. What seems to be the one or two things that people regularly miss when auditing a site after performance issues in your experience? So, for example, canonicals. I think canonicals. I mentioned it. Just, <laughs> I mentioned it just now, but site speed. I think it's something that has been overlooked in the past because it's quite ambiguous to some people. There's so many different factors that play into it. And it's sometimes hard to understand and you have to work with your development team really to get any changes made. So I think some people will, like I was speaking to someone recently and, and they were like, well, you know, I see site speed as a nice to have, it's not a necessity. Mm. And I was like, it's kind of becoming a necessity though, because Google are focusing more on that. And I, I worried that that was kind of a sentiment that's shared by a lot of people. Don't see yeah. the importance of it. 
And I don't know what you guys think about this, but um, with SEO, it's all about incremental gains. Exactly. Listen to me saying big words and (laughs) getting them in the right context. I think it's really dangerous to think of stuff as a nice to have, because at the end of the day, you need to you need to show and prove to Google that your content, your website, your page is the is the best page to answer someone's query, and not just best in the content, but how it performs. So the speed, exactly. how it the user experience. Because one thing that yeah, um, there's lots of things that go into SEO. So I think it's a bit dangerous. I don't know if you guys agree in what I'm saying. Like I think it's dangerous to think of some things as nice to have. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I've got a bit of a controversial question. Talking about bounce rate, do you think that's something that ownership should be on the UX team or the SEO team? And don't say both because, yes, technically <laughs> both. But realistically, if someone's going to own it and have the last say, who would you yeah. say? Oh, question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's always sat with SEOs, right? Like it's something that we're reporting on usually. Yeah. But it is a UX thing at the end of the day. If the page isn't performing well, users are going to leave. But yeah. then again, if it's not answering the question, they're going to leave, which I guess would sit with SEOs. So <laughs> I don't want to say both. both. I don't want to say both. <laughs> well, is, it, is it more then that, I don't know. So like you say, bounce rate could be a couple of issues. It could be like a UX issues or it could be like seo issue. do you know what i mean so maybe yeah. but then i suppose someone does need to own it doesn't it like what would you yeah, say yeah. hannah i see that this is this is why i'm asking because i'm kind of like i feel like i've always been the one to own it because i've always been the one to push it but then whenever you are speaking to a ux person they are in complete agreement and it's always they always see it as extremely important and i'm like so is this on your list right do you know what i mean but, yeah but it is an seo thing in my experience so yeah I kind of feel like it should be a UX thing a bit more I feel like they should build it into everything that they do just like we do and I and I think that's that's the case with any SEO and and we say this throughout the podcast don't we that um, SEO needs to be part of everything that you do and people need to understand the importance of it so I think I think there's a change in in um understanding and behavior and SEO needs to stop being an afterthought I suppose doesn't it yeah yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, do you think SEOs are typically good at UX from trying to optimize sites for their own users as well as satisfying mm-hmm. Google's high standards for its own users? Yeah, I think there are some SEOs who see that importance of UX and I I I guess in a lot of different companies you often have to wear that UX hat as well because there isn't a separate UX team and it kind of becomes a part of SEO. I think some SEOs are good at it, but we can get, like we were saying, wrapped up in that in that technical stuff or rankings or link building. And then user experience is something that gets overlooked. So I think it's something that is being built into the SEO strategy. But because you're not just thinking about how users going to find the site, but you're thinking about what they're going to do once they land on the site mm. and making sure they're able to find what they're looking for or complete the desired action. And I guess that's kind of where UX comes into it. So, and as well, if you do have a UX team, I think it's really important to work with them. Mm. Um, I've recently started working with our UX team internally at DeepCrawl and they're really open to like hearing stuff from SEOs and getting insights from SEOs, but then it's also really great to have insights from them. 
Mm. and they make they can help us do our job better and we can help them do their job better so I definitely think that it's a good collaboration to have yeah working we're together at the end of the day aren't we sorry exactly. yeah we want the same thing yes exactly yeah exactly exactly so from a UX point of view do you think there's anything in particular that, that as SEOs we should be considering and focusing on if it's not something that an SEO already has on their list yeah um, I have a few things. I guess so. Navigation would be one. Um, making sure that users are able to find what they're looking for in your navigation. So not hiding anything in drop-down links. Having you know breadcrumbs set up across the site so they can go back to pages. I think that kind of plays yep, into not up. only internal linking but also user experience and being able to find what they're looking for. And then I know we spoke about it a lot, but page speed. Um, it's becoming a key factor to Google, but also for user experience, because, you know, a user is more likely to leave and they may never return if they, if they don't have a very good experience and the page doesn't load very fast. And then obviously we have the core vitals that are being introduced as ranking factors, which that's further displaying how Google are viewing that and they're placing so much more importance on that user experience. Yeah. And the, um, the cumulative layout shift, that's the most exciting one for me because I think especially as we move towards mobile first and there's nothing more annoying than when you're on a website and you go to click on something and it moves and you end up clicking something else. Mm. So I think something like that is really important. Um, and then kind of in that same vein, I guess, having a responsive design. So making sure that it's responsive for any device. Um, it's still readable if you're on a small device and still all visible and doesn't kind of fall off the screen. And then with that as well, I guess the overuse of ads and pop-ups. I, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's becoming more popular, but they're kind of really annoying because they're distracting and they're disruptive. And I know Google's quality raters look out for that kind of stuff, but it seems to be that they're becoming more more popular now, which is getting a bit annoying. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But also, you know, pop-ups can prevent Google from being able to view your content and then they won't be able to index it because they're not able to view it so I think that's something that should definitely be on an SEO's radar because often the marketing team will want to add things like that but we kind of have to come in and say no this isn't good for SEO and give the reasons why and and the examples why so yeah I think that's something that we should watch out for. Awesome really really good points thank you Ruth. And I think it sort of joins back up to, you know, you saying about um, using Google Search Console uh, to understand how Google views your website i think i think that's key at the end of the day isn't it like you need to understand how that yeah because one of the things that you said about um sometimes pop-ups stopping google from seeing your content and index and stuff like you need to you need to know that google has no issues with your site is understanding it it is important isn't it you can't just yeah. put something together and um just leave it <laughs> leave it in the <laughs> environment or what have yeah. you Okay, so I just want to ask one more question and then it's time for the feature. So we often ask our guests if you have any questions for me and Hannah. Okay, I want to throw it back to you and ask you what you think SEO should be considering from a UX point of view. If I didn't answer everything, do you think that there's anything else? Well, mine's a bit of a stupid one. I mean, it might not be stupid. I don't know. You you guys can tell me. but so making sure that pages and products and uh, important and, and pages are easy to find so like giving someone a task of 
finding a specific page within the site that's that's not easily accessible from the first page to check Mm -hmm. that you've um because i think a big thing with user experience is understanding customer journey and making sure all pages can be accessible right so yes i suppose yeah having that and making sure you've got that in mind cool i've got i've got a couple um trying to to do different ones that aren't (laughs) that we haven't gone over but i think um two things so one pagination making sure that pages are numbered it's obvious that you can go onto a second page or there's an infinite scroll or whatever i think as well what how much content there is on a page so obviously if there's a lot of content it's broken up by h2s it's easy to navigate and it's easy to see what you need it's probably got bullet points tables it's got maybe an index at the top and if there's not a lot of content, I think that's really awful user experience. So I think nobody wants to land on a page with two sentences on. So <laughs> I'd also consider that to be a UX issue. Yeah, I suppose most things you could say are user experience because everything you do should be with the user in mind. In mind, definitely. Yeah. I suppose. But yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well. It is feature time, isn't it? Feature time. Feature time. I feel like we need we do need a jingle for this. We need bit. a jingle, yeah, we do. Because we try and come up with like a, a yeah, it, yeah. Maybe we. <laughs> that's our next thing. Get a get a jingle <laughs> for this bit. Oh, it's my turn to tell you what. The, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm waiting for Sarah to tell me what it is, but I, I realise it's my my feature. So, in a recent podcast, Sarah did a feature where you had to say three things about yourself and one of them had to be a lie and the other person had to guess which the lie was and I liked it so much that I feel like I should turn the tables so if you can think of three things about yourself two of them to be true and one of them to be a lie and the other has to guess the lie like it tables have been turned on me right so I've got to think two so (laughs) two facts one lie let's have a think and no pressure, Sarah, but last time I won, so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, right, I've got mine. Okay, I've got mine. Hannah, who do you want to go first? Ruth, you can go first if you like. Okay. Um, my favourite colour is pink. I used to be a competitive gymnast. Um, and panda bears are my favourite animal. So, Ruth, I believe your lie is that your favourite colour is pink. That is right. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Okay. Right. Ruth, mm-hmm. are you ready? I'm ready. My first fact I've been chatted up by Prince Charming during a pantomime. I have a party trick where I can pick up a piece of flat cardboard on the floor while standing up. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense in my head. Uh, but that's, my, that's, that's a party trick of mine. Or my last fact is. My eyes are different colours. So my left eye is different colour to my right eye. I think the first one is a lie. What, where I've been chatted up by chatted Prince up. Charming during pantomime? In a pantomime. No, that is, that is, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was younger, I was part of uh, the local pantomime and I was only part of the chorus, but there was a point in it where I was chosen to be uh, chatted up by Prince Charming. <laughs> Hannah, you do you know what my lie is? Yes. Yeah. Your lie is that your eyes are different colours. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Did I explain my party trick in the right way? Can you pick up with your feet? Is that what it is? No. So like you're standing up 
um, and you're not allowed to use your hands, but you bend down to pick up. So you start off with a cereal box um, and you have to pick up with your teeth the cereal box mm-hmm. um, and it gets lower and lower and lower. And my party trick is I can do it with like where it's just like a, a, a flat sheet of cardboard. So you kind of sat, you stood up uh, with your arms behind your back and you're bending down to get it, but your legs are straight. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's it's a game. Have you never done the cereal box game at parties? No. Uh, Hannah, that's our next trick. <laughs> okay, I'm on it. So I believe I was the winner. You were. Congratulations. Well done. Hey. Right. Um, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Sad times. Sad, sad, sad times. times. Thank you very much for joining us, Ruth. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, definitely has. So if people want to keep up to date with what you're doing, things that you're sharing, things that you're writing, how best can they find you? Um, probably on Twitter. So it's at Ruth Everett, but the V in, no, the U in Ruth is a V. Oh. Just but, to make it a bit random. Yes. Cool. You've yeah. done that for your blog as well, haven't you? Yeah. Which is, is it just rvth.blog? Yeah. Yeah, I remembered. <laughs> unconventional yeah. <laughs> hannah how can they get in touch with us uh also on twitter seo underscore sas or sarah mcduck without the c <laughs> and seo sas hannah or you can email us at hello at seo sas podcast.com wonderbar <laughs> was that german or a made-up word who knows right so i believe the only thing left for us to say is goodbye and have whatever day it is whether you listen to this at the weekend whether you're listening to this in the week have a good rest of your day and stay safe everyone goodbye goodbye